Today we're going to do something a little different. It's been a couple of years since we've done a bonfire chat. How many of you have been around for Isaiah's famous bonfire chats? Raise your hand. Some of you may have forgotten. It's simply uh, stolen from the days of the fireside chats where the president would talk about things important to you know, the country. And so bonfire chats being from California just seemed to fit my personality. And it's a chance for you to talk back during it. So I give you permission instead of just purely heckling when I preach. You can talk. To, it's you know, giving you permission to heckle, I guess. Uh, ask questions questions, raise your hand, say, you know, I disagree. It, it won't hurt my feelings. Um, so we're continuing. So there's your freedom. There's your past. And, you know, at the end we can take questions or whatnot. But it's, you know, it's, it's one of those things that we're going to try and see how that works. So bonfire chat. Are you ready? Buckled up? Ready to go? We're going to continue with the summer training program that uh, Max has laid out. And today we're talking about something near and dear to me, and it's friends. Friendship. What does it mean to be a friend? How do you get friends? Why is this important? Is it even biblical that I need to be worrying about friends? Uh, Things like that are what come to mind. And some of you might be sitting there going, really? We're going to talk about friends. Are you crazy? I I came on a July 4th weekend to church, and we're going to talk about friends and friendship. Yes, we are, uh, because we think it's important for generations to be known as a friendly church. Not saying that you aren't. But there are some things, some techniques that I've learned through my life, because you know what? Friends are high on my priority list. They're so high. When I first moved here in 97 from California, and many of you heard the story, I tell it like, it seems like all the time, uh, I didn't have any friends. So Friday night, Saturday night, no one to call up to go hang out, nothing, no one to talk to. So I fasted seven days for friends. I said, God, I need, I need a friend, a very close friend. So I fasted. Now, I didn't fast food. I'm too big of a guy to fast food for seven days. Uh, I would have probably withered away and died. Um, But I fasted up something near and dear to me, and that was uh, beverages. Any type of beverage that went in my mouth would only be water. You can ask my wife. That is quite a sacrifice. I would rather go thirsty than just grab a bottle of water. Now, water with a little lemon in it? Maybe. You know, uh, Sobe Life water? Yes. Soda? You bet. Uh, you know, anything flavored, you know, and that stuff's 99% water, right? So what does it matter? So, uh, but, so seven days, and lo and behold, I was starting Asbury College, and they stick you in these things called tag groups, and in my tag group uh, was another gentleman from Ohio, and we hit it off right then and there. We actually became really good friends through college. Uh, I went to his house on vacations. We went on spring break together. We even went and looked at seminaries together. And that's when we realized we both have two theological views when we went and looked at seminaries because the seminary he went to, I was like, uh, I can't do that. Um, Robert Schuller uh, graduated from here and the Kishtal Cathedral and I just aren't, we're not on the same page. Um, but that's where he went. And, you know, and then he was like, yeah, I think you made the right choice going to ATS. I was like, of course. But uh, we were good friends through sem- uh, college and seminary. And I, I really think that started because I was seeking God. Like, I really need a friend. And and in today's society, isn't it true that people feel more alone now than they have ever? You know, if you read reports, if you see what's coming out, they're saying that we are isolated. And yet we're the most connected and most wired society that there ever is. You know, you can, ha- you can get a friend real easy by just clicking a button, right? Add a friend, boom, and you have a friend. Some of you, I've seen your Facebook, some of you have thousands of friends. I don't know if anyone in our church has reached the limit yet. You know, there's a limit of how many friends you can have on Facebook, only 5,000. After that, Facebook says no more. All right? So, but we all know that's not a true friend. That's an acquaintance, maybe. Might be someone you ran into once. It might even be an acquaintance. But what I want to talk today about is true friends. 
What is a true friend, and why is that important to us? And what are some of the barriers that stop us from going down that road to true friendship? One of the barriers I think that is one of the hard ones to get over for me, being a pastor, is fear of intimacy. I know a guy up here telling you he's afraid of intimacy. I know, a big shocker, right? But I think, I think that's the first barrier that stops a lot of us from going down that road of friendship. Because what if someone really gets to know us? What if they know that I don't keep a clean house all the time? Or maybe I curse like a sailor at home. Or maybe I do something even, you know, that whatever it could be, fill in the blank, that I'm not perfect. And so I have this fear of intimacy. And so we, we have this fear. And so, you know, we say, you know, it's just better if I just keep them as acquaintance so I can live in my glass house. And that's usually the first barrier. And the first reason we don't take that path down to friendship is because we're afraid of being intimate with other people. Um, I love this quote by E. Hubbard. He said, a true friend is a person who knows all about you and still likes you. That's pretty true, isn't it? Um, now everyone's going through their mind going, wow, how many true friends do I have that still like me? Um, but that, that's the beginning of the fear of intimacy is, is breaking down that. The other thing that stops us is the, uh, what we deal with in youth ministry all the time. It's the nobody likes me. I bring nothing to the table. There's, you know, I'm not funny. I'm not good looking. I'm not athletic. I'm not fill in the blank. Why would they ever want to be my friend? And in youth ministry, we see that all the time. I know when I was a youth, my uncle was our youth pastor, and whenever we would start down this road, he would look at us and start singing a song. He'd go, nobody likes me, everybody hates me, I guess I'll go eat worms, short ones, fat ones, skinny ones, long ones, worms, 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 worms. And he'd be like, no, uncle, really, nobody likes me. And then he'd sing it louder. And you're like, no, buddy. And you're like, no, stop. This isn't funny. I'm serious. You know, I, no, I'm not athletic. And he, you know, he would just keep singing until finally you're like, okay, I get it. You know, ha. You know, but, but don't we all do that too? Isn't that one of the barriers is that we think we bring nothing to the friendship table that anyone would ever really want to get to know us? Another one that I suffered through in college, you know, you see those people and you're like, man, you know what? We, we would connect. I know we would connect. We have the same similarities. There's a lot going on. And, and, you know, I know we would be best friends, BFFs forever, right? But what stops us there? They already have enough friends. There was, I remember there was a a gentleman at the college that I went to uh, at Asbury that was in that category. I mean, we were in theater together, and, and I was like, man, we would hit it off. I know we'd be good friends, but, you know, everyone was around them. Everyone hung out. It was, and, you know, and I had no choice there. I could say, well, they already have enough friends, or I could say, well, they have yet to meet Isaiah Serbrook. <laughs> that was the route I took. Maybe not as conceited, but, you know. Um, but that is a barrier to us, is we think they have enough friends. Or maybe you're that person already in that spot, and you sit there and say, you know what? I already have enough friends. Why do I need more friends? I say, why are we really talking about friends? This seems very trite. Come on. I already have friends. I don't need any more people in my life right now. Which leads to the next reason we don't have friends, and it's one we've talked about a lot in generations, is we're just too busy. You know, we're running here, we're running there, we're doing this, we're doing that, and we just don't have times. You know, it sounds great on, in theory, you know, like even last week, you know, praying, praying, and man, I'd love to have time to pray, but I'm just too busy. I mean, I'd love to have a true friend, but you know what, I'm just too busy. I'm running here, running there. You know, the latest statistic about us in Kentucky is it's true we're running here and there because we must be buying a lot of fast food. 
We're the number one state that buys the most fast food of any, nation, any state in the nation. Every dollar spent in dining, 56, cent of it, 56 cents of it goes to fast food. And I like to think it's not because we like fried food and bad food. I think it's because we're busy. But that, those are some of the barriers that I think that stop us from going to true, true friendship. And, and when I read, I think God really wants us to have true friends. I really do. And if you have your Bibles, uh, we're going to move around here real quick. But this verse was brought up in a book I was reading with my small group. Uh, John Orberg's book, Everybody's Normal Till You Get to Know Them. Um, great title of a book, and that's exactly what it is. But he talks about, about this in a different light. And many of you probably have read this. Genesis chapter 2. Uh, we are going to start at verse 18. And it might come on the screen, might not. Uh, then God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make him a helper who is just right for him. So the Lord God formed in the ground all the wild, wild animals and all the birds of the sky. He brought them to man to see what he would call them. And man chose a name for each one. He gave names to all the livestock, all the birds of the sky, and all the wild animals. But still there was no helper just right for him. So the Lord God caused man to fall into a deep sleep. While the man slept, the Lord God took out one of the man's ribs and closed up the opening. Then the Lord God made woman from the rib, and he brought him to man. At last, the man exclaimed, this one is bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. She will be called woman because she was taken from man. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. Now, you probably have heard that verse, right? Not talking about friendship, but you hear it at what? Weddings. It's a great wedding verse, you know, that, that there's this idealistic that, you know, God created this one just for you and, and, and you know, you're going to live forever, kumbaya. And, you know, it's a beautiful wedding verse. But, you know, what starts a good marriage? Friendship. Boom. Thank you. Thank you for understanding this is the bonfire chap, so you can throw in any time you want. Friendship. Friendship starts a good marriage. And so, you know, I, in, the, in the, the book I was reading there, it really, I never thought about this. Here is Adam in the most pristine place that we can't even fathom, communion, communing with God himself, and yet what? Still needs companionship, friendship, still needs something. And, and if you stop and ponder, you're like, why is that? Why, if you were in the Garden of Eden and God is there, you still need, need something else? Isn't that everything? Isn't that all you would need? Well, let's look at God. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. All three live as one. They live in communion with each other and relationship. And if we are made in God's image, God's image would naturally mean that we need relationship like God needs relationship. And so it was not good for man to be alone. He needed companionship, relationship. And so I think, wow, hmm. So you mean this whole desire for needing a friend, for wanting friends, is, is a God-given desire? <laughs> All the way from the beginning of time? I would say yes. In fact, uh, Solomon, King Solomon, was well, debated, and it, you know, we, it's the problem being seminary trained is when you preach, you, you, know, you start going to the seminary mindset, and you're like, well, it's not really Solomon, but Ecclesiastes, let's go there. Everyone's favorite book of the Bible to preach from. Um, but Ecclesiastes chapter 4, you know, I always love Proverbs because it's like, you know, here's, here's all the words of wisdom, things you should do and don't do, and then you get to Ecclesiastes, and it's like, okay, now they told you all the things you should do and, and not. Let me tell you how life really is. You know, that's how I read it. And so here he's talking about, Solomon's talking about a friend, and it's uh, chapter 4, starting at verse 8. This is a case of a man who is all alone, without a child or brother, 
yet who works hard to gain as much wealth as he can. But then he asks himself, who am I working for? Why am I giving up so much pleasure now? It is also meaningless and depressing. Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person fails, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people laying close together can keep each other warm. But how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. I think these are, these are some benefits to friendship here that you really get. Solomon is saying, you know, listen, I understand you want to live alone. You want to, you want to be, have the solitude life. That's fine. But you know, having a friend has some really positive things that impact your life. You know, when he talks about the very first thing we hear what this man is alone. He doesn't have a brother. He doesn't have a son. He's alone, but he has amassed wealth. I can't help but think of the Simpsons, Mr. Burns, you know, a loner who has amassed all this wealth. And, and how does Solomon say he, it is? What's the final uh, wording there that he uses? It is so meaningless and depressing. Now, some of us who are on the end of the very low end of the income totem pole would say, you know, I'd like to find out how meaningless and depressing it would be to have that wealth all alone. Can I get an amen? But Solomon's like, it, it, it doesn't matter. If you don't have anyone to share it with, it doesn't matter. And isn't that the true thing with friends and intimacy? Is we have this one side of fear that says, I don't want them to know all the bad stuff with, about me. But what's the other side of that coin? I want to have someone to share my joys with, though. Isn't that true? Hey, I've had friends who have really wanted things. I had one uh, couple, couple that really wanted to have a child. I mean, really wanted to have a child. And lo and behold, guess what? They got pregnant. And you know what it did? It brought tears to my eyes. I was so happy for them. I'm like, you're joking. Oh, my goodness. Wiping the tears away. So ecstatic for them that they finally got what they really wanted. Because these are some of our true friends. These are some of our best friends. I've had other friends that really wanted this job. You know, if I could get into this position, then I can go here and I can move here and do this. And when they got it, what do you do? You rejoice with them. And I think that's the very next verse. Two people are better off than one for they can help each other succeed. Because when you have someone in your court cheerleading, can't you do more? Doesn't it make you be like, yeah, I can conquer this. Yes, let's go. Yes, we can do this. And so I think we have this fear of intimacy, but the other side is, is that you have someone in your court that helps you. Yes, we know that they help you when you're down. Ortberg in his book says this, says, you want to know if you have a true friend? Answer these two questions. Number one, can you go by their house unannounced? And they welcome you in. Just knock on the door, yeah, come on in. Hey, we're about ready to sit down. Grab, grab a chair, grab a table, plate, whatever you need. The other thing is, can you call them at 2 a.m. and they'll come running and they're not your pastor? He actually puts that caveat in there, that they're not a pastor or on staff. At 2 a.m., if something's happening in your house or your family and you need them there, can you call them and they're like, hey, you know, no problem. Let me change out of my PJs and I'm there. Heck, I'm not even changing out of my PJs. It's just you guys. I'll be right there. I'm not even brush my teeth. Just stay back. All right? Please brush your teeth if I ever call at 2 a.m. It won't bother me to take two extra seconds, unless it's you on a fire call. Please come. All right? But, you know, that's the other benefit. Now, we get to this statement here that, now, this is a tricky statement because, you know, we live in a modern society, and we hear, likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm, but how can one be warm alone? You know, 
and we think, okay, let's be honest. Think of people having sex. You know, two laying together, keeping warm. That's where we go in our society. What if this is a spiritual warmth? Haven't you had that friend where maybe you just don't feel like praying or you feel like God's not answering your prayers and, and you know, reading your Bible? Pfft, forget that. I'm not even talking to God right now. And yet that friend comes along and says, you know what, I've been re- really praying for you. And I pray that God does this in your life. And it's just like a little, little breath of fresh air in your life, a little warmth. And you're like, really? Yeah, and I, I'm really seeking God on your behalf. You know, they can, they can warm us up spiritually. And yes, it's true. You know, I've been in a camping tent before where I've been shivering and having someone even just in the same tent with you warms things up. It's true. And this is what, what the writer probably was thinking at the time is that, you know, if you're out, you know, uh, if you're a sh- uh, shepherd and you're out there, two people back to back, it's going to be warmer. No matter how, you know, it, it's true. But what if that also can be spiritual warmth as another benefit? And then, of course, standing alone and being attacked back to back, warding off the things. These are the times where, you, you know, life is just hitting you left and right. Maybe it's someone in your family. Maybe it's just someone there, and they, they're like, you know, it's okay. What people are saying about you is so wrong. Maybe it's a coworker. You guys know there's different wor- types of friends. There's like your worker friends. There's your hobby friends. You know, you get, and how many of you have like, you know, these worker friends that you're in a p- position that you just hate? You know, you hate your job. You hate everything about it. But you have that one worker friend that's like, you know what? You're right. Our boss, horrible. Doesn't get anything. Should get, you know, I'm sure uh, Satan has a special layer in hell for them when they get there. But here's what we need to do. We need to just do our job. We need to do it right. We need to love on each other. When you have those days where you're just like, forget it. Forget it. You know, those things, having that type of friend there is one of the things of having a true friend. But the problem is, a lot of times, it's hard to even get to the point where we have a true friend. And today, I wanted to give you guys just, these are Isaiah's quick tips on how to get and start friendships. Um, this is not seminary trained. This is just through life. The first is an easy one. We all do this. It's called initiate. Step one, initiate. It's simply, hi, my name's Isaiah. What's yours? Dave. Dave, nice to meet you. That's it. That's how you start. Real groundbreaking, I know. People are like, we came to church for this. Can I get my tithes checked back? But it's true. You initiate. And here's the next thing. You ask. What do you ask? Questions. Not only questions, but this is something my father taught me when I was young. Because, you know, I would always do the, oh, no one likes me. He would say, son, you want people to like you? Talk about them. Talk about them. Go in, talk about them. Ask questions about them. Do not story trump. We have a hard time in the Serbuk household of what we call story trumping. That's where Bill comes in and tells me a story. Hey, guess what? Yesterday I did this. Oh, really? Well, two weeks ago, guess what? I did this. You know, it's called story trumping. It doesn't work when you're initiating friends. Uh, all right? Um, but you ask questions. And there's one question in church land that we ask all the time. And if you get anything from today, this is the one I ask you to take away. The one that we ruin instant friendships is this. Hi, my name's Isaiah. Nice to meet you. What's your name? Reese. So is this your first time here? Oh, No. That's the one question we always ask that just kills anything right there. Okay, well, uh, how long have you been coming here, Reese? A few years? Several years. Oh, really? Several years. 
My bad. Well, I hope you enjoy the Sunday. On to the next person, right? We just kill it. Just kill it right there by the very first question. If Here's the easiest way. This is the pastor tip of the day. You go like this. Hi, my name's Isaiah. What's yours? Reese. So how long have you been attending Generations? Oh, several years. Excellent. Well, you know what? Me too. I've been here since day one. Can you believe that? Um, how long have you been attending? Those are great intro questions. Because you know what? If they're a first-time attender, you know what they're going to say? Oh, this is my first time. Really? Your first time? Great. What made you decide to come to Generations? Well, I found you on a website. Really? Well, you know. And if you're sitting over here, you'd be like, Matt here designed our website. Matt, did you meet so-and-so? No. Yeah, we found you on our website. Way to go, Matt. Things like that. But, you know, ask questions. And when you're asking questions, remember, this is another tidbit from my father. And when I tell my wife these things, she's like, Isaiah, this sounds so manipulative. Sounds like, you know, you're just manipulating friends in your little realm. Come to my web, you know, <laughs> of friendship. And it's true. It does. It does. I'm not going to lie. But it's, it's, it's how humans work. It's how we work. We have one radio station going on in our heads. Do you want radio station you have going on in your head? W-I-F-M. You know what that, huh? W-I-F-M, what's in it for me? It's the radio station everyone has in their head. It's true. You know how this plays out? In my job, currently I'm asking for three things from my boss. I'm asking for a six-seater golf cart, a laptop, new laptop, and an iPad 2 for myself and for James. So I'm asking for two. Two golf carts, two new laptops, and two iPad 2s. And then we'll get a safety helmet for James. That's a whole nother inside joke. Um, yes, we're going to get him a big bright red flames on the side helmet. Um, blue flames to go with UK though. Um, but I'm asking my boss that. And so when I'm asking my boss these things, you know what I'm thinking? He has one radio station on in his head. What's in it for me? So I say, listen, we're trying to beef up computer science program. They're at a new building. It's about a 10, 15 minute walk away. And when it's 95 degrees outside, it's not pretty because I sweat and no one wants to see a big man sweat. You know, like, come to, gen- come to Generation C, come to UK. Uh, excuse me, you know, and it just, it, it's not a beautiful thing. And then they're sweating and then we get into this building and they're like, oh. you know, so if I had a golf cart, you know, it would really help out. And then you could tell computer science, hey, this is what we're doing for you. And, and all of a sudden he's like, you know what? A golf cart sounds like a great idea. How much do they cost? Well, 10 grand. Uh, how much? 10 grand each. Um, you know, and so you have to work on that. That's your whole other thing. But, you know, when you're talking with friends, unfortunately, that is what we're all thinking. Let's call a spade a spade. What's in it for me? What's in it for me? Um, and so when you're asking questions, ask questions about them. Uh, Dale Carnegie wrote a book. Anyone know the famous book? When Friends and Influence People sold over 15 million copies. Uh, and Dale Carnegie said, you know what? If you want to have friends, you can have more friends in two months talking about the other person than you will have in two years standing there waiting for people to ask questions about you. Now, that's the Isaiah paraphrase version, but it's pretty close. You know, even, even in that book, he got it, asking questions about them. The next thing is time. Friendships take time. 
In today's society, we don't like to hear that. We like everything microwave, nuclear, you know, boom, in and out. You know, I like to be able to say, hi, my name's Isaiah. Welcome. All right, we're best friends. Let's go on. But friendships don't, t- don't work that way. They take time. They take a lot of time. My small group, it's taken a year, roughly, to get where we're at in a small group. I mean, we're, we're truly friends. We're now cheering each other on. We're sharing each other's burdens. We're excited for each other. We cry for each other. You know, but it's taken time. And friends take time. And that's where we need to get rid of the barrier of busyness. Maybe we need to go ahead and t- quit uh, doing something on a Saturday and be like, you know what? Hey, you want to come over and hang out? You want to come do this? You want to go get coffee? And that's the last thing about friendship is, you know what? We have to invest. We have to invest in friends. And for different people, it means different things. As, as, uh, for myself, what that means is sometimes investing buying someone lunch. Sometimes it means investing going and helping them move. Yeah. That's a big investment in my world. If I help you move, you know, I mean, it's huge. Um, I hate moving. Can I get an amen? Oh, hate moving. Hate moving people. Hate moving myself even more. But, you know, invest. Maybe, it's, it, maybe they're going out of town and, you know, they have a dog. And it's like, hey, you want me to take care of your dog? Hey, you want me to come get your mail? You know, it's investing. And, it, and it, it's these four little things that if we do, we really can shift that paradigm of loneliness. We really can start having friends. And, you know, and if we as a whole community of generations do this, imagine how we'll be known in the community. Because you know how people pick churches, right? How many people have heard someone go and go, you know, that church, they're the meanest people alive. They backstab, they gossip, but the worship's good. No, what do they say? Man, the worship's eh, but you know, they're the friendliest people around. You know, that's how we, people pick churches. That's how people come into community, and that's how we grow. That's how God, des- God designed it. And you're probably sitting there saying, but Isaiah, you know, I'm the one that always initiates. I'm the one that always starts down the friendship path. I'm the one that always invests. I'm the one that does all the work for friends. Yeah? And? when? You know? And? And God called us to be others-focused. If you don't believe it, look at Stephen. When he was being stoned, he wasn't worried about him. He was worried about other people. Jesus dying on the cross, worried about other people. God called us to be other-focused. And if we're other-focused and we're loving on people and we're living in companionship and relationship and we're making true friends, I'm telling you, our lives are going to be so rich that unlike the guy in Ecclesiastes that had all this wealth, it's not going to matter. It's not going to matter. So uh, those are my things for you this week to try. Initiate, ask questions, spend some time, and invest. And remember the one question in church land, if you want to kill a relationship from day one, how, is this your first time? So, uh, you, and I forgot Max's favorite question. I better put this in here since he'll listen to the podcast. Everyone know Max's favorite question he loves to ask? What do you do for fun? Many of you use it now already. It's hilarious because he started this at Church of the Savior using that as just a way to, way to breach a conversation and it's filtered into a lot of your languages because I hear you ask that when you talk to people. So what do you do for fun? Did you have any fun this week? You know, no, I didn't. It was horrible. I worked. What'd you do? Pray to God and talk to him? Must be nice. No. <laughs> so, so really, uh, that, that is why I think friends are important. I really think God's called us to do this.